This is the Fabric Podcast. Recorded live at the Minnehaha Falls Bandstand in Minneapolis, we've been asking, what if? In this episode, you'll hear Melissa Locke in conversation with Kathy Hying of the Lift Garage in Minneapolis about some big what ifs. She also got a little help visualizing this conversation from our friend Chris Lillehigh. Enjoy. I'm Melissa. I'm excited for our conversation today. As I was preparing for today, I was thinking about my first car. And it, it's not the first car I owned, but it's the first car I drove. My parents were pretty excited when I was finally getting my driver's license at about 17. <laughs> and that they wouldn't, in, in our family and in our town, like they were driving me around a lot and they were ready to be done with that. And But I also was looking back and I think they maybe were trying to help me lighten up and have more fun and Mimi be a little cool. <laughs> and I also think maybe they were just trying to kill me <laughs> because my parents went to see John Lenzen at the Ford dealership in town and said, you know, we need a, a used car for our, our daughter. And they looked around and, and they said, what if we bought her a 1981 blue Chevy Camaro? Rear wheel drive. <laughs> to the person who would least appreciate this car, right? Um, so yeah, that's what they did. And there are a lot of stories about that. Um, but the, the, the short version is that I don't think it worked to make me necessarily more cool or lighten up, maybe. Um, but I also, it didn't kill me. So it certainly wasn't boring. And I think, you know, that reminds me of this what if conversation and... There's this message or this like trope around or a myth, I think, about, about the spiritual life, right? Like the godly life. And we, we talked about this that first week um, as we introduced this what if conversation that living a holy life or a spiritual life is boring, right? It just means taking all the, the real stuff of your life and then like subtracting all the good and interesting parts. And then that's what's left. Okay, so this what-if conversation in this community comes out of a very different equation. So there's this first formula that says, oh, holy life equals real life minus all the good and interesting stuff, right? Okay, so write that down. But the what-if formula that we're working with that I want to invite you into today, um, this equation is different. Still starts with real life. Then you add infinite possibilities, and that equals a life deeply woven. So, you know, geez, we talk about this a lot as fabric. Deeply woven life, this true self, this inner self, the deepest part of us that is just good. It is there, it is good. And that is woven with the true self of other people and with the universe, with what we sometimes call God, and we know it's so much bigger than any three letters could ever capture. Life woven deeply. I think that first formula, if you look at it long enough, you realize, oh, this shrinks me. It, it, it separates. I think it contains not only us, but also the holy, right? The sacred, as if everything in us and everything around us is not all by itself, all part of this wildly sacred creation that we are a part of. 
So what if, this what if equation, it expands, it uncontains, it opens doors, it helps us find a way through the impossible and into the possible. That is worth talking about, and that's what we've gotten to do these weeks, and we've brought in some, um, some what-if people. We are bringing in some what-if people. So one of them I'm so excited to introduce you to is Kathy Hying. Come on up, Kathy. Um, yay. Try to put this in a shady spot. Thank you. Yeah, so Kathy, welcome. Um, I, I feel like you've really like looked under the hood of life, to use a car metaphor, <laughs> nice, nice. Um, with a lot of honesty, with humor, um, and, and I'm, I'm so glad you're willing to share some of that with us and lots of people. I think you've asked some really big what ifs, and it hasn't been boring. Oh, nothing, yeah. nothing but. So Kathy started the Lyft Garage, and it just celebrated its 10-year anniversary. Yay. So congratulations on that, Thank and I'm you. hoping you'll give us a glimpse of how it started. Absolutely. Thank you again so much for having me. I am so happy to be here, happy to be uh, praying with you, talking with you, thinking with you on this amazing summer day. Um, as Melissa said, I am the founder of The Lift Garage. The Lift is a nonprofit auto repair shop, so we provide low-cost car repair for low-income Minnesotans. Um, I did not come by this naturally. Um, I did not grow up in a household that worked on our own vehicles or anything like that. And quite frankly, I don't, I don't have a particular interest in cars, except just like probably most of you, I just want mine to start when I get in it yeah. <laughs> and get me where I want to go and get me home. Um, uh, I have a background. My bachelor's degree is in social work and my master's degree is in pastoral ministry. Um, which leads to an obvious career as a mechanic, right? I mean, that's like the next, <laughs> you know. And, um, uh, I was working at St. Stephen's Church uh, over in South Minneapolis, right near the Electric Fetus Art Institute over in that area. Um, there was a lot of needs in that community, the neighborhood, um, and the church also ran a shelter for single adult men. And this was in uh, early to mid-2000s, and I just kept having conversations with folks for whom car repair was sort of a make-or-break thing. Um, people who would come to the church asking for money, saying, you know, I, I work second shift out in Chanhassen. My, uh, there's no bus that runs when I get off at 11 o'clock at night. My car isn't working. If I can't get there, I'm going to lose my job. I'm not going to be able to pay rent, and we're going to end up on the streets. Um, Similarly, I was talking with the guys who were staying in the shelter, and many of whom had uh, vehicles that uh, they were hanging on to despite not having uh, permanent uh, housing. Um, and that was always interesting to me, and so we would often talk about that, but they, those cars often needed repair, and they often used those cars um, as shelter for uh, when they didn't get a bed. In those days, shelter beds were given out via a lottery system. And so um, if you didn't get a bed, then you at least had your car to sleep in, but um, I was forever being asked for a wrench or to help push a car or, you know, something else. And, um, of course, they didn't have any money to fix those cars, um, which were also their homes. And uh, somewhere, the best I can pinpoint, around 2006 or so, I started having a question that um, mostly I'm grateful for, but I also give this to you as a warning uh, <laughs> of... Uh, gosh, I can't believe we don't have some sort of low-cost car repair in the in the Twin Cities. This is, you know, we are so 
generous. You know, Minnesota is often called the land of 10,000 nonprofits. I mean, we are, we are giving and we are creative and we are problem solving. I just can't believe this doesn't exist. Somebody should do something about this. Oh, and yeah. there's the words. And, uh, and I just could not believe that I had this great idea that nobody else was interested in doing. And, uh, um, and then it just, the more I thought about it, the more I sat with it, the more it started to feel like it might be me. Um, and that, uh, I'll be honest, I wanted not a thing to do with this. Um, I knew it was a problem that needed to be addressed. I had zero interest in being the one to try to be any part of it. I was still paying off my grad school student loans. I had a job that I loved doing uh, social justice uh, systems reform work in a church. Um, you know, it, my life was good. <laughs> um, and I couldn't stop thinking about this. Um, and I knew that it was a little bigger than me when I decided to make a pro and con list about what it, why, why should I do this besides the social good? I mean, that was sort of the given, but like, why should I, Kathy Hine, do this? And honest to God, this is not an exaggeration, even though I believe exaggeration is good to make a good story. This is not one of those times. Uh, there was not one thing in the pro column. Uh, not one. There was no reason, no good reason I should do this. The, the con long, 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 long. Um, and I could not stop thinking about this. Wow. And that's when I knew that it was something bigger than me. And so I went back to school. Um, at the age of 38, to Dunwoody to get a degree in auto technology. Um, uh, a few of you have heard me say this before, but it's the honest to God truth. I was 38 years old, and I walked into a classroom full of 18-year-old boys. And as a middle-aged lesbian, I had no idea what to do with 18-year-old boys when I was 18. <laughs> I had even less idea 20 years later. <laughs> so... <laughs> It was challenging, and I could talk for hours about my two years at Dunwoody and um, that experience and all the ways that it felt like I was in so over my head. And the thing that is most important to know and that I hope you take away is that I did this and I never did it alone. And there were people in Dunwoody, there was an instructor that, um, you know, said, you can do this and I will help you get there. Yeah. You know, there were people that you did not expect that just showed up when the minute I said, I can't, I'm done, I tried, I, I answered God and I am not the one. And then mm -hmm. there would be somebody that you would least expect uh, that would not fit any sort of profile of a holy person or the, you know, somebody that God sent. And then there they would be to say, let me get you through this next step. Let me get you there. Um, so I graduated from Dunwoody in 2010 with an associate's degree in auto technology and um, uh, started gathering people around me, um, started asking a lot of questions, what if, what if, mm -hmm. what if. Um, if you would have told me then that the lift would look like it does now, 10 years later, I would have been like, oh, hell no. <laughs> oh, no, that's too big, too complicated, too much, I don't know it. But again, it was like, all right, well, let's start by opening one bay one day a week. And then we'll just take the next best step, and then we'll take the next best step. And now, 10 years later, we own our own building. We have five repair bays. We see 130 cars a month. Um, uh, we charge $15 an hour for labor and parts at cost. Um, we've saved Minnesotans about uh, $2.5 million in car repair costs since we opened. So wow. um, thank you. I did see that um, CNN actually named you a hero. 
That is true. And you don't love that? I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I hate everything about that. I, I mean, it was great. Don't let me wrong. It was, it was, a, it was a great honor. Um, I have a little bitterness because it was like sort of this, they name a group of people and then they keep narrowing it down and then one person is sort of like the hero and it was a woman who saved sloths, which is lovely. I love sloths, Aww. but I was like, really? Come on. <laughs> Come on. Wow. I'm just kidding. Um, I, I don't like it. I think heroes and saints and words like that are dangerous words that we um, use too easily. My, one of my um, mentors and teachers is uh, the late Dorothy Day, who started the Catholic Worker Movement, and she said, do not call me a saint. I do not want to be dismissed that easily. Hmm. And the best I can understand, the idea behind why she said that was, once we start separating ourselves from people, like, you have done all this, you've done all these things, but you're a saint. I'm not a saint, so therefore, I don't have to. I can't. It is not possible. I don't have what it takes. You are a hero. You are an angel. Whatever we do, and it is, um, and the fact is, I am wildly ordinary <laughs> and really uh, reluctant in all of this and and really would just, I'm lazy at heart. And so this whole thing is a surprise to me as anyone um, that this has happened because I just, I'm, um, I'm a girl from a small town in Iowa that has no interest in cars and... Um, Tell us what you really like to do. <laughs> what I want to do more than anything in the world and anytime I think I'm starting to think that I am God, I know that I'm not because if I was God, people would thrive on laying on the couch and eating Doritos. Because <laughs> that's what I really like to do. That's really what I like to do. Yeah. Hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on a second. So oh. you guys... Hi, Chris. Yeah, so I have a perfect idea of how to illustrate what you guys are talking about. Really? Yeah. No, right. Does it, does it involve well, Doritos? Because I'm in. <laughs> second perfect. Okay, all right, yeah. all right. So, but I don't have the tools. So well, I was wondering... Gee, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Great idea, Chris. I should go. Well, maybe, that. you know, we come together here. Maybe someone has. Just ask. Try it. So I need a watermelon in a bowl. Does anyone have a watermelon Whoa, in a bowl? Oh, look at that. Oh, my gosh. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. And I, I need don't a know. stool. I, I got a stool. Okay, we, we got can a do stool. that. Thank you. Thank you. Where should I put this? All right. I need a bowl full of rubber bands. Does Anybody anyone? have a bowl? A bowl Ooh. full of rubber bands. My gosh. Ask and, the God, and God will provide. Wow. <laughs> And then, um, most importantly, for safety's sake, I need safety goggles. Oh my goodness! This is there is any dangerous? safety goggles? A bag safety full goggles? of safety. All my glasses. Oh, maybe we don't need the safety. Oh no, we got safety goggles. All right. Oh my all right. gosh. So the amazing. All right, and now I need two very reluctant volunteers. Oh, one here, and uh, one over there, and uh, I'll need uh, a third one right here. Yep. So uh, you need to wear the safety safety gear. Um, yep. <laughs> safety gear. Um, Chris, should we be moving? Yeah, yeah that's what I'm wondering. Why are you need uh, plenty, um, safety glasses? I'm a worried. And I'm too. Turned out a few more in here. You know, we don't know what this is gonna look like. Or uh, all right. So now, what I need us to do, and. Uh, we might have experimented okay. with this before, so we just, uh, we're going to, if you guys want to just take a bunch at a time, and then, and just do them together, it's easier, and then put them kind of between these two. What is going on, Lily? All right, uh, there we go, and then just get them. Teamwork! 
All right. Uh, now, my only question is... Lily, I hope this is worth it. I really... <laughs> this probably won't be, but, you know, it can't get any worse <laughs> than the... Oh, wow. Okay, so they're putting... For those on the podcast or live stream, if you can't see, they're just... There's a big watermelon up here in a bowl, as Chris said, and there's a bunch of rubber bands they're oh, adding like they... around the middle. Do we have any bets on how long this will take? Are we... What are we waiting? Is this yeah, leading what are we somewhere? Doing? Oh, you'll know it when you see it. Uh, three minutes. Three, three minutes? All right, all right. Over or under three minutes? Are we... Over. Over, over three minutes, okay. Come on, Ab, jump, jump in there. Need your help. I feel like I'm at summer camp. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. Don't, don't shout it out, but does anybody know what's going to happen? Yeah, hands? No. Any guesses? Some people have seen this. I guess. It only took Jenny and I 25 minutes to do this the first time. So, uh, but that was two of you. So, that was two. Yeah. We have a lot more than two up here. Wow. Oh, yeah, I need some goggles. You're right. Thank, Thank you. you, Charles. I got the extra large version here. I was just uh, um, thinking about uh, never knowing when the opportunity is coming. That's what's making me think of this. Like, we don't, <laughs> we don't know exactly. It could be three minutes. It could be 30 minutes at the rate we're going. We don't, we don't know. But it, I... Uh, the lift opened about a year before we intended to open. Um, we were sort of on a trajectory to open in 2014. Um, and in December of 2012, I got a call from an acquaintance of mine who was running sort of a, a car-related business. Um, and she had some bays and uh, some office space. And they had run into some business trouble. And she needed to sublet, like, right away. So she calls me in December of 2012. Says, I really I heard what you're thinking about doing. I think you should open. Uh, sublet a bay from us starting in January. And I literally burst out laughing. I was like, yeah, no, that ain't, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> we have so many things we haven't figured out. Thanks for thinking of us. Sorry about your troubles. And uh, she calls back uh, uh, about uh, two weeks later and says, no, no, I really think you should think about this. And, you know, we really could use a sublet, and this is really a great opportunity for you guys to go. And look, we don't, we don't have anything ready. We are so far. We are a year from being ready. And... So we hang up, and then two weeks later, she calls again, and now I'm just mad, because I'm like, now you're just being pushy. And uh, I've already said no, and I'm in the middle of saying no the third time, and, and <laughs> honest to God, sort of uh, uh, like, like uh, Old Testament prophets, like all of a sudden, and uh, children, I'm sorry, my, I, I have a relationship with God that involves swearing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so do we. <laughs> so honest to God, it was like I was about to say no the third time, and then I heard it. Dumbass, I am opening a door. Walk <laughs> through it. <laughs> walk through it. And I was like, but we don't have pens, but we don't have, but we do, but, but walk through it. Mm. Walk through it. It's not the right time. I don't know when the right time. It's walk through it. And so we did. And we didn't know what was on the other side. And I am not really good in my life at doing things that I don't, feel 100% confident of what the outcome is going to be, and so... Can anyone else relate to that? <laughs> um, so figuring out what the right time that everything is about to implode and being able to be like, yep, I'm going to keep going. 
I'm going to, you know, I'm going to keep doing this. So that was a huge God moment in all of this for me. And that's somewhat, this situation somehow reminded me of, of that somehow. Like, <laughs> wow. I don't know what you guys are doing, but. <laughs> get comfortable. Yeah. She said, is it because you think you're going to need to wait a year to see this? It's like, yeah, may, maybe. You're doing great. You're doing great, team. So, Kathy, you're saying you didn't really know how it was all going to work from the beginning. Pretty much. You'd... And even the things I thought I knew didn't look at all that way. So... Even the things you thought you knew? Yeah. Yeah, it's been kind of an amazing journey of uh, what, what if and a lot, a lot, a lot of resistance. And I think your microphone stopped. Hold on. How's it going, Chris? Uh, we are, we're, we're starting to get some weird oh formations gosh. going on here. Hey, so. okay, can people see this from the benches? I don't it's know. Like, if looks you can like the watermelon the has a waste here. now. So. It has like a okay. hourglass shape forming here. So just to recap for the for no reason. for the television audience, oh, where yes. we've got a bunch, of, like hundreds and hundreds of regular rubber bands, I think, um, around this watermelon. There's. Oh! <laughs> I'm so sorry, I just screamed into the microphone. Woo! Wow. Take a bow. Take a bow. Yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. How do you all look? I got some back here. No, I got a little bit too. I'm glad you had the the goggles on. Okay, Lily, Lily. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Why? So, you, you don't know? Just tell me what you were thinking. What I was thinking. All right. Uh, my, I was thinking, what was the most important rubber band? Yeah. Okay. Which one did it? Which, Which one, one did it? Did Anybody, it? what do you think? The first one? What if the first one was the last one? Would it still be the one? Yeah. What do you think? One of them. Or was it all of them? I get it. All right, yay! That was really good. That is really good. Kathy, what do you think? I think that is amazing. And I think as I was starting to say a little bit about my instructor at at Dunwoody, it's like I I get a lot of accolades about the lift, and I have have worked hard. I'm not trying to downplay that. Um, And I am 100% confident that the lift would not exist if it wasn't for a whole bunch of people saying, hey, I can do this. I can help you with that. I can shore you up this way. Hey, here's some money. You know, my mom sent me ten dollars and said, "Here's here's some money for your little project." I said, "Mom, I employ people," and she oh said, gosh. "Oh, don't get too big for your britches." So, um, <laughs> mom's keeping you humble. The uh, the pieces, and I, I can't say it enough that it's um, again the danger of a, a single story of saying this person did this. That never is the case. We each do our part, and that's that's why we do things in community. That's why we show up here every Sunday in community. Um, and community's messy. It, it's yes, it messy. Is. <laughs> and stuff can explode and it can be a pain and people are difficult. And if that only that person would just do this. Um, but the beauty of community is uh, we smash systems. You know, we smash systems of 
oppression and poverty and um, racism um, that we can't do alone. There's no way. There are so many needs in the world um, that not one of us can do it, but we can, we can do our one part from wherever we are, and we do it in community, and, and look what we do. We smash systems. So um, I, pump like I do that. notice it's, yeah, it's messy, and yeah, the system got broken open, um, but what came out, I mean, there is, even though it's all over the ground, like there's some sweetness in this too, mm. like in some excitement. It's not boring. We had mm. this anticipation and this connection around it. This is hard stuff, and it, it's really good it is. to get it to is. be part of. It is. I mean, what gets you off the couch? <laughs> Almost nothing, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's obviously a joke. I mean, <laughs> it, it's... Uh, it is. It's the thing. I, I, I feel like a, a broken record. Uh, or feel like I'm repeating myself over and over again. But it's it's that amazing change that that we can do. And um, like there, there always needs to be one person who's like, yeah, I can I can start this ball rolling. I can I can give the first heavy push. But you're not going to keep it going. And it's that amazing thing we can do when we we all say, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, me too. And the possibilities and the realities that I have seen because I have gotten off the couch, because others have gotten off the couch, um, is it, it, that, that is how we change the world, my friends. And we, we have our part. We all have our part. And we, the, the, the flip side of that equation, the, the dangerous side of that equation is to be like, um, uh, somebody else will do it. There are other people to do it. It doesn't work if we hand it off to everybody else. It's like we each have to step in and say, let me add mine, let me add mine. And that's going to look, what, what you can add is going to look different at different points in your life. You know, if you got a couple of little kids at home, right now your, your piece of that is raising up those kids to be kids equipped to help smash the watermelon of oppression watermelon. or something. <laughs> um, that, that's, that's your work in making the world a better place. That, that's, and, and that's okay that that is what you're doing. Um, but when you can, um, you have to. Whatever, whatever it is in front of you at that time, that is what God is calling you to do. And, um, and that, that is what our responsibility, in my opinion, as, as people of faith is. I feel like, yeah, we're, we're all kind of ordinary rubber bands, but there's power in our ordinariness, right? Totally. Like there's, there's tension and there's stretching that we can do yeah. and embrace our ordinariness yeah. um, is, is what I hear. So what about the other watermelons? I mean, you are taking a, making a dent in the, in the watermelon of, of homelessness, of poverty through the lift. Um, but what about, and you know, with the help of, a lot of other people. Absolutely. What about all the other problems, Kathy? <laughs> what are you doing about get off that? My, get off my back, Melissa Jeepers. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, I, I know uh, that, that I can't do all the things. I am one human, an ordinary human, doing what I can on any given day, trying to do that well, sometimes failing at doing that well. Um, mm -hmm. But again, we, we do it in community so that the energy I have to put into making sure people have safe, reliable transportation, um, uh, that goes there. And then somebody else, uh, you know, my, my partner works in uh, housing and homelessness and has for 30 years. And that, that is where her energy goes. And we each, we do our thing. Um, and so, um, and then there's all the ways that we do small things um, in life. It doesn't all have to be about the big stuff. Last weekend... Um, a friend of mine asked, you know, my mom is, uh, 
is 91. She's really struggling with what her purpose is in life. She's feeling like she has regrets about her life. She doesn't understand why God has not taken her yet. She doesn't get what she's contributing. Would you mind talking to her? Um, and so I was like, I, I don't really know what to say about that, but I surely went over because we, we can. I can listen. I can, I can be kind. I can hear. I can shore her up. And I was able to talk with her and find uh, a place where we could see that she brings joy to lots of people. We just sort of walked through her day and said, well, what, what happens here? And well, you know, I do this, and you bring that person joy. And so it's, again, depending on where we are in our lives. Um, and, you know, the other thing that uh, I, I often like to think about, and I think about it in the lift and, and other ways, um, is that she, she said, well, people tell me to pray. And I, and I said, well, do you? And she said, well, no, I don't, I, I don't know how to pray. Nobody ever taught me to pray. And I said, you want to learn right now? She said, okay. And I said, okay. And I'm going to ask you to do the same with me. This is the prayer I taught her. Repeat after me. Dear God. Dear God. I don't understand the bullshit around me. I don't understand the bullshit around me. Help me understand and help me see what I can do. Help me understand and help me see what I can do. Amen. Amen. That is it. Our God doesn't need fancy words or the right rubrics or the right anything. Say your truth. And God, God can hold that. And God will tell you. And I do need to say, when people say they're going to pray about something, I'm like, be careful. If you entering into conversation with God is going to blow you wide open. It's going to be so a wild ride. It's going to be a wild ride. And so your prayer can be simple, but it, it, has, it has not consequences. That has a negative term to it. But there will be things that unfold if you enter into an earnest conversation with God. That's how mm -hmm. I ended up being a social worker running an auto repair garage. So, um, <laughs> I and did, it's been amazing. So to, to use the car metaphor, like early in one of the first things we talked about with uh, this what if conversation is if you want a boring life, be the hub of your own existence. Like don't, don't pray to whatever, like to anything bigger than yourself. No. Don't look at other people, just stay the hub, let everything revolve around you. And that's the recipe for a boring life. It is. And other things, lonely. Yep. Lonely. And, and, and things don't work. Yep. Um, so thank you for helping us see this, this vision that we keep needing to be reminded of. Thank you. Um, Kathy. So thank you. before we wrap up, how can people connect um, with the lift, with their rubber bands, whatever that thank might you. mean? Thank you. I always love that question, of course. Um, we just have launched, um, we're just getting it rolling these, these next few weeks. Um, if, if you have time in the middle of the day, we have opened a couple of extra bays in St. Paul. Um, we're trying to expand, so now we are running seven bays, which is amazing and terrifying to me. Um, but we have a need <laughs> for volunteers uh, once a day to shuttle parts and other things between the two shops. It's a pretty easy gig, no more than an hour between South Minneapolis and like University in Snelling in St. Paul. So um, that's a new volunteer I can sign up for every day. Every, <laughs> oh wait, oh no, that's not the rubber band. No, thing, no, it? no, not just you, not just you, yeah. everybody. Um, so that's it. Uh, <laughs> of course, I would not be a very good executive director of a nonprofit if I didn't say, we need your money. <laughs> um, the lift charge is only $15 an hour. That doesn't anywhere come near the cost of running the place. The reason we're able to charge such low rates is because we do it in community and people say, yep, 
here's my part. Here's my, I have a nun that gives us $5 a month without fail. Mm -hmm. So what, whatever. Um, but there's lots of other volunteer opportunities. Um, there's, we have some events coming up, a big brewery event and lots of other ways. There's all sorts of information over on that table about the lift and about um, those things I just mentioned. And we have a great website. Um, and just if you want a tour, stop by. Melissa can put you in touch with me. I always am proud of the work we do and I'm always happy to show it off. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate the time. I think this, for me, this conversation, Kathy, with you has really helped, you know, be another wrinkle, another, another layer of us learning to be the community we want to be, that one that, that helps us both not beat ourselves up and try to be everything, and that doesn't underestimate the power that we have individually and together to actually change things, to actually be changed. So that even just being a community together takes people. So just pat yourself on the back for being here um, and look around and just, we gotta be grateful for the way we are this for one another, um, this space. And we talk about uh, having M&Ms as fabric, having a, a ministry within. It's just an easy way to remember our, where we can spend our rubber bands, right? We can spend it within fabric in all different ways. We can put rubber bands around a watermelon and make it explode. We can host the cafe. We can set up. We can do sound. We can do so many things behind the scenes. There are people working all the time. So thank you for those things. Um, they help us move forward from a place of strength and excitement and hope. Um, and then also, that is not just to stay in here. This is supposed to explode and move out into the world as we each bring our capacity that we gain from being in community, the challenge, the perspective that we are given from, from being in community and saying, hey, what is my role in the world? What is something I can do? Like write down what's an M, um, a, a ministry within fabric that you are doing or that you would like to maybe try. And then can I just challenge you to think of one area that you would like to sort of reown as a, a mission of yours in the world. And just not beating yourself up, but also not underestimating. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for more connection in your life, stay up to date with what's going on with Fabric and find resources to help you in your conversations and reflection at fabricmpls.com or searching Fabric MPLS on social media. Let us know if there are conversations you're longing to start or resources you're longing for to help you live a life more deeply woven.